Hi, my name is John, and this is Truth Tuesday. You know, we've been doing the kids' program practices for a little while now over in Kids Zone, and it's a lot of fun. We have kids from ages 4 to 12 years old practicing for this kids' program we're going to do just a week before Christmas, and it's really interesting to see the way some kids react. We have some kids who are just so psyched out of their minds, and they have just this overabundance of excitement and joy and, and really any other positive emotion you could think about that they're going to be on stage they're going to be doing this but then we have other kids who it's like they're excited but almost every time we practice you can just tell there is fear in their eyes and and they begin to think about what is going to happen during this play and I shared with the kids you know my experience being in kids plays growing up and how you know Maybe there were some plays that I did really well at, but it, for the most part, it was just my parents thinking I was cute. I didn't memorize my lines completely. I messed up the dance moves. I, you know, there were plenty of things that I did that just didn't go well when I was a kid. And for a lot of them, even though they've heard that, it's still hard for them to think about what this play is going to be like. And so there's a lot of excitement. And I, I won't want to say there are kids that are just completely fearful. They're excited too. But there's a lot of excitement. But for some kids, there is a lot of fear too. And, you know, it reminds me of the fear that people are experiencing in daily life right now, right? Fear as a kid is a whole lot different than fear as an adult. And whether we want to admit it or not, there is a lot of fear going around right now. You know, there are a lot of people who feel like the pandemic is over, but there's also a lot of people who are still scared out of their minds of, you know, maybe not could they get coronavirus or could their loved ones or somebody that they care about that is in a nursing home or who doesn't have good health. You know, there's a lot of different things like that. Inflation is a huge issue right now that people are fearful about. And another thing that I've heard people be really, really fearful about is war. You know, what is going to happen with all these nukes that are around? What's going to happen with those? And I don't remind you of all of this to make you fearful, but I do try to relate this in a way to, can I trust God? And really, that's what fear comes down to. Fear comes down to, can I trust God? If we ask the question, can I trust myself? No, you can't because you're not always going to make the right decision. Can I trust my loved one? No, you can't because we're flawed people and we're not always going to do the best things. We, we are selfish at heart. But the question, can I trust God? I believe you can. But I don't believe that trust in God is the same thing all the time. I think sometimes we get it a little messed up, and I think sometimes we put too much pressure on ourselves that we don't really allow ourselves to work through, can I trust God? And today, I want to look at a way that somebody in the Bible, and we really don't even know who this person is, but a way that somebody in the Bible worked through their trust in God, and how even though at the end, maybe it didn't seem like they trusted God, I think they did. And I think it's interesting for us to learn about. So today I want to go to Psalm chapter 89. 
We're going to do 88 too, but let's just go to chapter 89 first. And this will kind of set the scene for us, okay? The Israelites, they, they ask the same question, can I trust God? And if you know anything about the Psalms, uh, Psalm 89 is where David's kingdom has fallen and the Israelites are now in exile. Um, it starts in 88 and goes into 89 too. But here's what verse 49 says. In Psalm chapter 89, verse 49, it says, Lord, where is your unfailing love? You promised it to David with a faithful pledge. Very accusatory, right? Very, I do not trust you. I do not think that what you're doing is right, right? David's kingdom has been destroyed and the Israelites are now in exile. But I think there are three prior verses that show the psalmist's raw honesty and emotion. And maybe some of these verses you might relate to a little bit. I know I certainly have. But I think sometimes we read the Bible as just informational. And yes, it is good for information. But I want you to feel the emotion in these verses. Try to put yourself in the situation. The kingdom has just been destroyed. You are in exile. You have nothing. There, Inflation is not even a thought. War is not even a thought, right? You're just trying to make it to this next day because you don't have anything. Look at this. In chapter 88, verses 8 through 9. You have driven my friends away by making me repulsive to them. I am in a trap with no way of escape. My eyes are blinded by my tears. Each day I beg for your help. O oh Lord, I lift my hands to you for mercy. Not I lift my hands to you because I trust you. Not I lift my hands to you because I praise you. No, because I want mercy. And in all of this, the psalmist is basically blaming God for their loneliness and their pain. Move on to uh, verses 13 and 14. It says, O Lord, I cry out to you. I will keep on pleading day by day. O Lord, why do you reject me? Why do you turn your face from me? It doesn't seem like in this situation he feels he can truly trust God, especially when he's telling God that he feels like he has rejected him. And I don't think that this is a feeling that he has just felt. I think there are a lot of people, Christians and non-Christians, who at some point in their lives and maybe all throughout their lives have felt rejected by God. They have felt rejected by God. And I think it, it continues a little bit. In verse 18, and, the, and this entire chapter is filled with this stuff. I'm just pointing out a few verses here and there that, that, that caught my attention as I was reading it. But verse 18 says, You have taken away my companions and loved ones. Darkness is my closest friend. That's it. That is one of the most depressing chapters of Scripture in the Bible. And it's not flowers and rainbows. It's not all uh, resolved at the end or anything. It's just pure pain, pure anger, pure loneliness, pure emotion. That's what it is. And when we move on to verse 89, there seems to be a bit of a resolution. 
Okay. Just chap- chapter 89, verses 1 and 2. Literally the next verses that come right after the other ones. Psalm 89, verses 1 and 2. I will sing of the Lord's unfailing love forever. Young and old will hear of your faithfulness. Your unfailing love will last forever. Your faithfulness is enduring as the heavens. I mean, it seems like everything's been resolved from the previous chapter, right? Darkness is my closest friend. Your unfailing love will last forever. I mean, it's, see, you read these next to each other and you say, wow, what happened? What did I miss? What did God do? Did, 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 did God bless this person in some kind of way? Did, did, did God give this person a friend? You know, what happened? What, what did God do? It makes it seem like everything has been resolved, but just a little while longer. Verse 39. So this is even before the verse I first read to you at the beginning. Verse 39. You have renounced your covenant with him. You have thrown his crown in the dust. Talking about David. That doesn't sound like it's resolved. So what is there to learn here? Right? We have this first verse that was way later on of just pure pain and anguish. Three more verses from the chapter before of just complete depression and anger. And then two verses of, and there's a couple more, but I just read you two, of hope and praise. And then another verse of blame and accusations. So what is there to learn here? I think it's this. I think we learn here that we can learn that expressing hope is still an act of trust, even when it has anger and pain. I want you to hear that again. Expressing hope can be an act of trust, even when there is anger and pain. Some of the most influential portions of my life is when I was angry with God, but I still had hope. Some of the most influential parts of my life is when I had pain and felt like it came from God but I still had hope. Some of the most influential points in my life was when I was lonely, down and out, and felt like I had nobody with me, but I still had hope. I'm not trying to tell you I'm perfect. I'm not. I've not gone to God many times when I should, and and, and I'm remorseful for that, and, and I've repented of that. But what I do want to stress to you today is that God doesn't command us to push aside our anger and our pain and our depression and our anxiety. He doesn't tell us, that doesn't belong. Get that away. You don't need that. He doesn't come to us that way. What he does do is he says, bring it to him. He tells you to bring your pain, to bring your anger, to bring your depression, to bring your anxiety, to bring any thoughts of, that you have of hurting yourself. He tells you to bring those to him because he can handle them. That he can handle your blame. He can handle your accusations. He can handle all those things if you just bring them to him. You see, the problem with a lot of anger and pain and depression, all of these things, is when it takes us away from God. Many of, of these emotions are, are what everybody feels. I don't know a single person who's never felt those ways, at least for a small period of time in their lives. But God tells us 
time and time again. He shows us time and time again throughout Scripture to bring all of our pain, all of our regret, all of these things to him, and that he can handle it. And that if we consistently come to him time and time again, he will work on our hearts and he will bring us closer to him. And even if you just feel hope, you know, four verses worth out of two chapters for a short period of time, he's still going to work on you. And that that small amount of hope that you have, recognize that that small amount of hope that you have is still an act of trust. You see, the worst thing we can do with our anger and our pain and our doubt is to flee from God. That is the absolute worst thing we can do. Even if your prayer is nothing more than anger or pain, keep praying. Keep crying out to God because he will be faithful. He's done it time and time again, and he will do it again. Thanks for listening.